0: Section 1 of Ingersoll on Thomas Paine From the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 1, Lecture 3 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Lecture 3, Thomas Paine, Section 1 THOMAS Paine, WITH HIS NAME LEFT OUT, THE HISTORY OF LIBERTY CANNOT BE WRITTEN. TO SPEAK THE PRAISES OF THE BRAVE AND THOUGHTFUL DEAD IS TO ME A LABOR OF GRATITUDE AND LOVE. THROUGH ALL THE CENTURIES GONE THE MIND OF MAN HAS BEEN beleaguered BY THE MAILED HOSTS OF SUPERSTITION. SLOWLY AND PAINFULLY HAS ADVANCED THE ARMY OF DELIVERANCE hated by those they wished to rescue despised by those they were dying to save those grand soldiers these immortal deliverers have fought without thanks labored without applause suffered without pity and they have died execrated and abhorred for the good of mankind they accepted isolation poverty and calumny they gave up all sacrificed all lost all but truth and self-respect one of the bravest soldiers in this army was thomas paine and for one i feel indebted to him for the liberty we are enjoying this day born among the poor where children are burdens in a country where real liberty was unknown where the privileges of class were guarded with infinite jealousy and the rights of the individual trampled beneath the feet of priests and nobles, where to advocate justice was treason, where intellectual freedom was infidelity, it is wonderful that the idea of true liberty ever entered his brain. Poverty was his mother, necessity his master. He had more brains than books, more sense than education, more courage than politeness, more strength than polish he had no veneration for old mistakes no admiration for ancient lies he loved the truth for truth's sake and for man's sake he saw oppression on every hand injustice everywhere hypocrisy at the altar venality on the bench tyranny on the throne and with a splendid courage he espoused the cause of the weak against the strong of the enslaved many Against the titled few. In England he was nothing. He belonged to the lower classes. There was no avenue open for him. The people hugged their chains, and the whole power of the government was ready to crush any man who endeavored to strike a blow for the right. At the age of thirty-seven, Thomas Paine left England for America with a high hope of being instrumental in the establishment of a free government. In his own country he could accomplish nothing. Those two vultures, church and state, were ready to tear in pieces and devour the heart of anyone who might deny their divine right to enslave the world. Upon his arrival in this country he found himself possessed of a letter of introduction signed by another infidel. The illustrious Franklin. This and his native genius constituted his entire capital, and he needed no more. He found the colonies clamoring for justice, whining about their grievances, upon their knees at the foot of the throne, imploring that mixture of idiocy and insanity, George the third, by the grace of God, for a restoration of their ancient privileges. They were not endeavoring to become free men, but were trying to soften the heart of their master. They were perfectly willing to make brick if a pharaoh would furnish the straw. The colonists wished for, hoped for, and prayed for reconciliation. They did not dream of independence. Paine gave to the world his common sense. It was the first argument for separation. THE FIRST ASSAULT UPON THE BRITISH FORM OF GOVERNMENT, THE FIRST BLOW FOR A REPUBLIC, AND IT AROUSED OUR FATHERS LIKE A TRUMPET'S BLAST. HE WAS THE FIRST TO PERCEIVE THE DESTINY OF THE NEW WORLD. NO OTHER PAMPHLET EVER ACCOMPLISHED SUCH WONDERFUL RESULTS. IT WAS FILLED WITH ARGUMENT, REASON, PERSUASION, AND UNANSWERABLE LOGIC. IT OPENED A NEW WORLD. IT FILLED THE PRESENT WITH HOPE. And the future with honor everywhere the people responded and in a few months the continental congress declared the colonies free and independent states a new nation was born it is simple justice to say that Payne did more to cause the declaration of independence than any other man neither should it be forgotten that his attacks upon great britain were also attacks upon monarchy and while he convinced the people that the colonies ought to separate from the mother country he also proved to them that a free government is the best that can be instituted among men in my judgment thomas paine was the best political writer that ever lived what he wrote was pure nature his soul and his pen went together ceremony pageantry and all the paraphernalia of power had no effect upon him. He examined into the why and wherefore of things. He was perfectly radical in his mode of thought. Nothing short of the bedrock satisfied him. His enthusiasm for what he believed to be right knew no bounds. During all the dark scenes of the revolution never for one moment did he despair. Year after year his brave words were ringing through the land, and by the bivouac fires the weary soldiers read the inspiring words of common sense, filled with ideas sharper than their swords, and consecrated themselves anew to the cause of freedom. Payne was not content with having aroused the spirit of independence. But he gave every energy of his soul to keep that spirit alive. He was with the army. He shared its defeats, its dangers, and its glory. When the situation became desperate, When gloom settled upon all, he gave them the crisis. It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, leading the way to freedom, honor, and glory. He shouted to them, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now, deserves the love and thanks of man and woman Close quote. to those who wish to put the war off to some future day with a lofty and touching spirit of self-sacrifice he said every generous parent should say if there must be a war let it be in my day that my child may have peace to the cry that americans were rebels he replied quote, he that rebels against reason is a real rebel but he that in defense of reason rebels against tyranny has a better title to defender of the faith than George the Third. Some said it was not to the interest of the colonies to be free. Paine answered this by saying, quote, To know whether it be the interest of the continent to be independent, we need ask only this simple, easy question. Is it the interest of a man to be a boy all his life? He found many who would listen to nothing, and to them, he said, that to argue with a man who has renounced his reason is like giving medicine to the dead. This sentiment ought to adorn the walls of every orthodox church. There is a world of political wisdom in this. England lost her liberty in a long chain of right reasoning from wrong principles. And there is real discrimination in saying the greeks and the romans were strongly possessed of the spirit of liberty but not the principles for at the time that they were determined not to be slaves themselves they employed their power to enslave the rest of mankind in his letter to the british people in which he tried to convince them that war was not to their interest occurs the following passage brim full of common sense war never can be the interest of a trading nation any more than quarrelling can be profitable to a man in business but to make war with those who trade with us is like setting a bulldog upon a customer at the shop door the writings of Payne fairly glitter with simple compact logical statements that carry conviction to the dullest and most prejudiced he had the happiest possible way of putting the case in asking questions in such a way that they answered themselves and in stating his premises so clearly that the deduction could not be avoided day and night he labored for america month after month year after year he gave himself to the great cause until there was a government of the people and for the people and until the banner of the stars floated over a continent redeemed and consecrated to the happiness of mankind at the close of the revolution no one stood higher in america than thomas paine the best the wisest the most patriotic were his friends and admirers and had he been thinking only of his own good he might have rested from his toils and spent the remainder of his life in comfort and in ease he could have been what the world is pleased to call respectable he could have died surrounded by clergymen warriors and statesmen at his death there would have been an imposing funeral miles of carriages civic societies salvos of artillery a nation in mourning and above all a splendid monument covered with lies he chose rather to benefit mankind at that time the seeds sown by the great infidels were beginning to bear fruit in france the people were beginning to think the eighteenth century was crowning its gray hairs with the wreath of progress on every hand science was bearing testimony against the church voltaire had filled europe with light tolbach was giving to the elite of paris the principles contained in his system of nature the encyclopedists had attacked superstition with information for the masses The foundation of things began to be examined. A few had the courage to keep their shoes on and let the bush burn. Miracles began to get scarce. Everywhere the people began to inquire. America had set an example to the world. The word liberty was in the mouths of men, and they began to wipe the dust from their knees. The dawn of a new day had appeared. Thomas Paine went to France, into the new movement he threw all his energies. His fame had gone before him, and he was welcomed as a friend of the human race and as a champion of free government. He had never relinquished his intention of pointing out to his countrymen the defects, absurdities, and abuses of the English government. For this purpose he composed and published his greatest political work, The Rights of Man* this work should be read by every man and woman it is concise accurate natural convincing and unanswerable it shows great thought and intimate knowledge of the various forms of government deep insight into the very springs of human action and a courage that compels respect and admiration the most difficult political problems are solved in a few sentences the venerable arguments in favor of wrong are refuted with a question answered with a word for forcible illustrations apt comparison accuracy and clearness of statement and absolute thoroughness it has never been excelled the fears of the administration were roused and Payne was prosecuted for libel and found guilty and yet there is not a sentiment in the entire work that will not challenge the admiration of every civilized man it is a magazine of political wisdom an arsenal of ideas and an honor not only to thomas paine but to human nature itself it could have been written only by the man who had the generosity the exalted patriotism and the goodness to say the world is my country and to do good is my religion there is in all the utterances of the world no grander no sublimer sentiment There is no creed that can be compared with it for a moment. It should be wrought in gold, adorned with jewels, and impressed upon every human heart. The world is my country, and to do good my religion. In 1792 Paine was elected by the Department of Calais as their representative in the National Assembly. So great was his popularity in France that he was selected about the same time by the people of no less than four departments upon taking his place in the assembly he was appointed as one of a committee to draft a constitution for france had the french people taken the advice of thomas paine there would have been no reign of terror the streets of paris would not have been filled with blood the revolution would have been the grandest success in the world the truth is that pain was too conservative to suit the leaders of the French Revolution. They to a great extent were carried away by hatred and a desire to destroy. They had suffered so long, they had borne so much, that it was impossible for them to be moderate in the hour of victory. Besides all this, the French people had been so robbed by the government, so degraded by the church, that they were not fit material with which to construct a republic. Many of the leaders longed to establish a beneficent and just government, but the people asked for revenge. Pain was filled with a real love for mankind. His philanthropy was boundless. He wished to destroy monarchy, not the monarch. He voted for the destruction of tyranny and against the death of the king. He wished to establish a government on a new basis one that would forget the past, one that would give privileges to none, and protection to all. In the assembly, where nearly all were demanding the execution of the king, where to differ from the majority was to be suspected, and where to be suspected was almost certain death. Thomas Paine had the courage, the goodness, and the justice to vote against death to vote against the execution of the king was a vote against his own life this was the sublimity of devotion to principle for this he was arrested imprisoned and doomed to death search the records of the world and you will find but few sublimer acts than that of thomas paine voting against the king's death he the hater of despotism the abhorrer of monarchy the champion of the rights of man, the republican, accepting death to save the life of a deposed tyrant, of a throneless king. This was the last grand act of his political life, the sublime conclusion of his political career. All his life he had been the disinterested friend of man. He had labored not for money, not for fame, but for the general good. He had aspired to no office, had asked no recognition of his services, but had ever been content to labor as a common soldier in the Army of Progress. Confining his efforts to no country, looking upon the world as his field of action, filled with a genuine love for the right, he found himself imprisoned by the very people he had striven to save. Had his enemies succeeded in bringing him to the block, he would have escaped the calumnies and the hatred of the Christian world. In this country, at least, he would have ranked with the proudest names. On the anniversary of the Declaration his name would have been upon the lips of all orators, and his memory in the hearts of all the people. Thomas Paine had not yet finished his career. He had spent his life thus far. In destroying the power of kings and now he turned his attention to the priests he knew that every abuse had been embalmed in scripture that every outrage was in partnership with some holy text he knew that the throne skulked behind the altar and both behind a pretended revelation from God by this time he had found that it was of little use to free the body and leave the mind in chains He had explored the foundations of despotism and had found them infinitely rotten he had dug under the throne and it occurred to him that he would take a look behind the altar the result of his investigations was given to the world in the age of reason from the moment of its publication he became infamous he was calumniated beyond measure to slander him was to secure the thanks of the church all his services were instantly forgotten disparaged or denied he was shunned as though he had been a pestilence most of his old friends forsook him he was regarded as a moral plague and at the bare mention of his name the bloody hands of the church were raised in horror he was denounced as the most despicable of men not content with following him to his grave they pursued him after death with redoubled fury and recounted with infinite gusto and the satisfaction they supposed horrors of his deathbed, gloried in the fact that he was forlorn and friendless and gloated like fiends over what they supposed to be the agonizing remorse of his lonely death it is wonderful that all his services were thus forgotten It is amazing that one kind word did not fall from some pulpit that some one did not accord to him at least honesty strange that in the general denunciation some one did not remember his labor for liberty his devotion to principle his zeal for the rights of his fellow men he had by brave and splendid effort associated his name with the cause of progress he had made it impossible write the history of political freedom with his name left out. He was one of the creators of light, one of the heralds of the dawn. He hated tyranny in the name of kings and in the name of God with every drop of his noble blood. He believed in liberty and justice and in the sacred doctrine of human equality. Under these divine banners he fought the battle of his life. In both worlds he offered his blood for the good of man. In the wilderness of America, in the French assembly, in the somber cell waiting for death, he was the same unflinching, unwavering friend of his race, the same undaunted champion of universal freedom. And for this he has been hated. For this the church has violated even his grave this is enough to make one believe that nothing is more natural than for men to devour their benefactors the people in all ages have crucified and glorified whoever lifts his voice against abuses whoever arraigns the past at the bar of the present whoever asks the king to show his commission or questions the authority of the priest will be denounced as the enemy of man and god In all ages, reason has been regarded as the enemy of religion. Nothing has been considered so pleasing to the deity as a total denial of the authority of your own mind. Self-reliance has been thought a deadly sin, and the idea of living and dying without the aid and consolation of superstition has always horrified the church by some unaccountable infatuation belief has been and still is considered of immense importance all religions have been based upon the ideas that god will forever reward the true believer and eternally damn the man who doubts or denies belief is regarded as the one essential thing to practice justice to love mercy is not enough you must believe in some incomprehensible creed. You must say, once one is three, and three times one is one. The man who practiced every virtue, but failed to believe, was execrated. Nothing so outrageous the feelings of the church as a moral unbeliever. Nothing so horrible as a charitable atheist. End of section 1